Podcast Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now. Howdy, friends. Happy Monday. Is it though? I don't know. It's <laughs> fucking cold now. <laughs> <laughs> we're really we're really into it, aren't we? Really into that winter thing now. More snow fell. That was more than I thought was going to fall. I mean, I knew that it was going to happen, but when it happens in the moment, you're just like, really? I, th- I was hoping that it wouldn't happen. So then more snow on top of the snow we already got. And it's gray. I don't even think I've seen color in the sky other than gray in like a month. I bought sunglasses in December, and just this weekend I was thinking to myself, this was a total fucking waste of money. Why would you do that? I don't know why I spent all this. Well, actually, I didn't. Green Shield covered those, but thank you very much, Benefits. But nonetheless, it feels like a waste of money because it's been gray for days. Uh, Big shout out to everybody who checked out the new-ish Scott and Cat show Mm -hmm. in the morning. Uh, We are doing things a little bit different because we're simulcast across Ontario now uh, on 91.5 The Beat in Kitchener and then on Energy 95.3 in Hamilton, Toronto, the GTHA, and Niagara. And, And it's great. But holy cow, cat! I think I shaved a few years off my life today. The timing is crazy trying to line all that up. Yeah, that's the thing. is, And that's one of the questions I was asked the most from people who knew that we were about to launch the second show. I mean, one show, two stations is what it is. So it's not like we're doing two shows. But at the same time, you have to be mindful about different things that are going to happen in each on each radio station because they're not going to air the exact same thing in terms of commercials and all the other stuff that you hear for the station. Even the traffic reports are the different. traffic, I mean, everything. So, yeah, we have to kind of line up with that. So it's just a matter of getting used to it. I thought for show number one, it wasn't... I said, this is how I put it to our buddy Will. I said, you know what? Nothing tragic happened. <laughs> Nothing tragic. So oh. I think that, that for day one, I think that's okay. I think we did all right. Well, welcome to a brand new week of After 9. One of the things that we get asked about the most is a radio feature that we used to do when we were on in Toronto before uh, called Missed Connections. And, and we brought it to Kitchener briefly when we came to 91.5 The Beat. Unfortunately, then the pandemic hit and... and Well, there wasn't a lot of people going out and meeting new people Mm -hmm. during lockdown, so we put it on hiatus, but we brought it back, and if you missed it, it's going to be on Monday mornings shortly after 8 a.m. on the FM radio shows. It's also going to be in the Monday edition of the After 9 podcast. So at the very end of this episode, you'll hear today's Missed Connections. All right, let's jump into the content here, Kat. You ready? Let's do that. I'm ready. Sad. It's sad, but it's not sad. Hazel McCallion passed away yesterday at 101 years old. Wow, incredible. I mean, 101? 101! She was mayor of Mississauga for 36 years and two notable accomplishments, even though there's so many notable ones, but we'll do two. She grew Mississauga from a little... People in Toronto used to think if you lived in Mississauga, you were way out in the fucking boonies. Like, oh my God, you're you're in the country out there in Mississauga. Holy, how long does it take you to get downtown? Now, Mississauga is basically Toronto. I mean, it basically is. But she grew it to the seventh largest city in Canada and left Mississauga debt-free. Imagine being debt-free. Doesn't happen for a lot of people. It certainly doesn't usually happen for a government. But she led a government that had no debt when Mm -hmm. she left. That, to me, is incredible. One of the things that stood out to me is after we got word that she had passed away, and apparently the family notified Premier Ford because him and Hazel McCallion are good friends, 
they notified the premier and said, would you please announce this to the public? So the premier did. I thought he had a good statement. Uh, Current Mississauga mayor, Bonnie Crombie, also had a great statement. And one of the things that's notable from hers is she pointed out that Hazel was an inspiration for women in politics or women that aspire to get into politics. Mm -hmm. Hazel's famous... uh, political statement was stop licking envelopes for male candidates and campaign yourself. And, and she certainly wore it and did a great job, obviously, if she was mayor for 36 years. But I was amazed at how many people have a picture with her. It's Everybody. An- she, because she was everywhere. She was one of those politicians that, I mean, are doing, going above and beyond, I'd say. In politics, that doesn't happen often, I think, especially when you, when you gain so much respect. She was at every event. She shook everyone's hand. She took every picture. Like, at a certain point, I'd probably be like, no, like, I'm not taking anymore. She would never say no to anybody. And I think that's one of the, and she actually enjoyed it. That was the part that made her special, is that she actually had no problem going out of her way to take a photo of people. So it didn't surprise me how many of those selfies and stuff were all over the internet over the weekend. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that she shook every hand that was put in front of her was amazing. She was also a boss. If she walked into a room... Everybody knew she was there and she had no anxiety about it. Didn't matter who came up to her or what they wanted to talk about, what they were happy with or what they were pissed off about. It didn't matter. Hazel was there and she would listen. You know, I'll I'll say it. We have a lot of currently elected individuals that could learn a lot from the example that Mm -hmm. Hazel McCallion set. So rest in peace, Madam Mayor. 101 years old. I asked her once. I was having dinner with her at Lionhead Golf Club. and, And I said to her, so... What's your secret? And this is at the time, I think she was like 97 or something. And she said, keep moving. Don't stop. Don't stop working. Don't stop hustling. You got to keep moving. Yeah. I agree with that advice wholeheartedly. So thank you, Madam Mayor, for the chats over the years and uh, Mm -hmm. for being good inspiration. That and a good glass of whiskey. Probably, right? (laughs) Probably. Um, hey, the the Freedom Convoy reunion in Ottawa this weekend, even though it was unofficial and not being organized at a big national level, a lot of people were wondering how many people were going to show up in the Capitol this weekend to mark the one-year anniversary of when the trucks started rolling on Ottawa. Police say dozens of people showed up. Okay. Dozens. I thought it'd be people? more than that. I thought there'd at least be 100 people. Dozens? Is that it? I didn't count, but I'm guessing there okay. wasn't a lot of people there. All right. They did get their tickets, though. Apparently, the Parliamentary Protective Service and Ottawa Police teamed up for this one. As of yesterday afternoon, this is Sunday afternoon, police and bylaw had issued 192 parking tickets for violating the special event no-stopping zone restrictions. They also issued 67 provincial offense notices and 23 vehicles were towed from downtown streets. I have a feeling if you even looked the wrong way, you were going to get towed. They were in no mood for bullshit. They were just going to, if you looked like you were there, they were going to pinch you and deal with it later. It seems like that was the philosophy. Maybe there was more than dozens. I mean, this is what this says, but if they issued 192 parking tickets, unless everybody got two, there must have been a more sizable crowd or more people over the course of the weekend. Uh, Either way, though, it was peaceful, and I'm glad. Good, good. I really, really like to hear that. Did you watch any football yesterday, Kat? It was on. It was on in the background. Um, My husband was paying attention to it. He's still interested to watch, even though his team's out. So, yeah, I did end up seeing some of it. Not enough to tell you what actually happened. But I did glance at the television while it was on. I uh, 
A couple of things about football yesterday. The San Francisco 49ers are just a huge letdown. They had so much potential coming into this game, and then they got railroaded by Philadelphia. And I was really curious to see what was going to happen because I feel like Philadelphia had a really easy regular season schedule. They didn't have to play a lot of the big top-tier teams. So, listen, they... Philadelphia proved they belong there because they just handed San Fran their ass. And then when it comes to Cincinnati and Kansas City, the later game, those referees, I have a feeling if you're in Cincinnati, the last thing you want to see is stripes right now because those refs, they made some pretty controversial calls that could have had an impact on the game. And, And I'm not saying it did or didn't, but if you're angry in Cincinnati right now or just a Bengals fan that doesn't like the way that went down, I don't blame you at all because it seemed a little sinister. But either way, for the third time in four years, Kansas City's going to the Super Bowl. Tickets went through the roof last night after the finalists were revealed. Philadelphia, Kansas City in Arizona. Cheapest ticket, $5,700 US. Oh, that's the cheapest ticket. Yeah. Uh-huh. The most expensive. I think it's the third row right on the 50-yard line. That's a pretty good seat for Super Bowl and a front row seat, by the way, for the halftime show for Rihanna. You know what? It's some bullshit, though, is that if you so let's say that someone had the money and that ticket was for sale and it's 10, whatever, whatever the highest price is. Thirty seven thousand dollars for that seat. So you're like, you know what? Here, I'm going to pull this out of my savings. Thirty seven thousand. I'm going to go and I can only afford one ticket. That's thirty seven thousand dollars. So I'm going and I'm sitting there. You know, what's a piss off is that there's so many people around you that got their ticket for free. If you're sitting in that spot, right? There are a ton of people that were handed out tickets because they know someone or they're a celebrity of sorts or they're in the football world or whatever it might be. You're getting that shit for free or family of one of the players or family, of one of the players. I mean, anything. And you're sitting there like an asshole paying the full 37 inflated price, extremely inflated. You know that, though, that's your choice. But I'm just saying that would also be kind of a piss off like bunch of people are here free and I'm sitting here paying for this. But for some people, it might be worth it. I know it's a bucket list thing for a lot of people to go to a Super Bowl in general. I'm a Bills fan, so I don't really give a shit about what's going to happen next weekend. But I'll watch it, of course, and enjoy it. But it's not really about the game. It's more about the party. If the Buffalo Bills were in it, I'd seriously consider going. Now, I don't know how I would afford it. Maybe we're talking a line of credit or a big visa, and then I just disappear after that. I don't know, but I I would really love to go to a Super Bowl if my team is in it. There's some people who just want to go for the atmosphere, though. If you want to pay 37 grand per ticket. That's for one. Like, who's going to buy a pair? That's like messed nobody. up. Like you've got way too much money if <laughs> yeah, that's the case. Yeah, no, that's there's nothing I'd spend that kind of money on for in terms of ticket seating. Nope. Uh, Let's talk about housing for a second. It's the topic of conversation just about anywhere you go. And maybe you're wondering, where's all the new houses that they said they were building? Mm -hmm. We have an update. Construction delays are getting the blame for a lack of progress on the federal government's rapid housing promise. Now, the Trudeau government offered $2.5 billion during the first two rounds of rapid housing project funding with the condition the approved units have to be built within 12 months in the populated areas, like around here. But a new document from the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, CMHC, says the majority of the units approved still haven't been constructed and either have already or will miss their deadline. My question to you is, at what point do we say, fine, fuck off? Two and a half billion dollars, all you have to do is have it done in 12 months. And I'm not saying it's easy to build a a high rise in 12 months, but if you're getting the funding to do it, you gotta do it. 
So if they take, say, 14 months, can we go to them now and say, sorry, no money? You said, we told you, it's got to be a year. We need it to be a year because we've got so many people that are looking for housing right now. If these developers or these builders don't meet the deadline, should we pull the funding or should we just say, it's okay, we'll still give you the money, but next time it better be 12 months and, and then never enforce it. And if it's 14 months now, is it going to be 16 months come, you know what I mean? And then it's going to be 18 months. That's what I always wonder too. Well, I'm wondering, I mean, we hear a lot that there's a severe shortage in the skilled trades. The skilled trades handle the lion's share of the building when yeah. we're talking about new construction. That's right. And I wondered about that when they said, oh, sure, we can build these things in a year. No problem. Who's doing that? Like, do you have mm -hmm. all of the people in place? Have you got enough plumbers and electricians and bricklayers and yada, yada, yada <laughs> to get that done? Probably not. Yeah. I, I think they took the funding, signed the contract and said, yeah, no problem. Knowing full well that after a year, even if it's not built, they can just stand up and say, yeah, sorry, construction delays. It's out of our hands. And then just wash their hands of it. But that wasn't the deal. And it's our money. So I don't know what they're going to do, but they've got some explaining to do. In just a sec, I want to tell you about, um, you've probably gotten wrong number calls before. Somebody calls, they were looking for somebody else. Whoops, yeah. What about a wrong address? What if you live at a place that used to be quite popular and you keep getting people knocking on the door? That'd be irritating. Great story, and it is coming up in seconds. First off, uh, this one I don't even know what to do with. Premier Ford, just the, over the weekend, said he is disappointed that the federal environment minister indicated he would consider intervening in Ontario's Greenbelt development plans. The province, in case you haven't heard, although I'm sure you have, is removing 7,400 acres from the Greenbelt in about 15 different areas. But they're going to add back even more land that will remain protected to the Greenbelt. So it's net growth, but certain areas are going to get developed because they need to build 50,000 homes. Well, media outlet The Narwhal reported on Thursday that the environment minister, federally, Stephen Gilbo, said Ford's plan for the Greenbelt flies in the face of climate change goals. <laughs> and Gilbo raised the possibility of, here we go again, emergency orders under the species at risk legislation ah. and the Impact Assessment Act to override this building. I'll tell you something. Is there power in that? I mean, does, does that mean it could that could happen? It is going to be a jurisdictional showdown if he tries to pull that shit. Because as much as Ottawa is our federal government, it doesn't change the fact that each of the provinces and territories are self-governed. And there's certain things we take care of ourselves and certain things we defer to Ottawa. For example, our, our national defense and our criminal code and all that sort of stuff is Ottawa. When it comes to building houses for Ontarians on the green belt, I can understand why the environment minister would have an issue with that. I'll be honest with you, I kind of have an issue with it. I'm warming up to it because it turns out most of this land is completely unusable mm -hmm. anyway, and it's not exactly the the lush rainforest that you probably think of when you hear green belt. We're talking about just dirt. It's not even got grass or trees on it. It's just dirt. Mm -hmm. So it seems to make sense to build homes there, especially if they're going to protect other areas in exchange. But Doug said he wasn't going to do that. He promised before the election, we're not going to open up the green belt. So people are angry and they're looking for different ways to try and stop Ford from doing this. The Fed's coming in and intervening. I have a feeling Mr. Gilbo is going to get called into the prime minister's office and probably clarify 
You're not going to do that. The way I see this happening is Trudeau himself would likely prevent his own minister from doing that because you're setting up a showdown like you wouldn't believe with the provinces if you want to step in and interfere in their territory. Well, now they're fucking with the animals, and I don't like the thought of that. I mean, that's actually one thing that I didn't even... I, we do consider that, and that's one of the reasons. There's several, but one of the reasons why we have green space the way it is now is to make sure that we have... Uh, spaces for animals and we've always heard you know those stories when you get a new build a new construction uh, a new area of houses is that these animals are kind of they're they're had they're either scared away or god forbid they're hurt in the process of these buildings so when you're plunking it in green space which has been green space for many many years yeah i guess that's obviously a big concern too so i again i don't know if there's power in this i couldn't tell you but uh, I do think it's worth a look. I think it's worth a look, too. And I'm glad that you mentioned the animals. What was it, two months ago? We had wild coyotes roaming around Burlington biting people. Like, we can't have yeah. that shit. There's oh, yeah. animals that are getting chased out of their habitat. So as much as I agree that, yeah, we need to build homes, I just want to make sure that we're doing this responsibly and sustainably yeah. and that we're not displacing animals. And I also hope that at the same time, as I say that, I also don't want to see the feds come in and try and overrule Ontario with a loophole in the... Species at Risk Act or the Assessment Land Act or whatever it is, that seems like it's just going to open up a big can of worms that maybe Ontario might be okay with. But some of the other provinces will lose their shit, Alberta and Quebec, if the federal government tries to interfere in provincial jurisdiction. Uh, quickly, just before I talk about this house thing here, the, the hooker. Um, Spoiler alert. Do you know anybody that's seen Avatar The Way of Water? I don't like, I haven't had a conversation about that movie. I'll tell you one thing is that I haven't had anyone, if they did go see it, I haven't had anyone say to me, Kat, you got to go see this movie. That's what I'm missing. That's what I haven't had is that that comment of like, you know, when there's a good movie in theaters, like, holy shit, you get your ass in there. You fucking watch that thing in theaters now. Yep. I haven't had a lot of that. I mean, obviously it's doing well. Seventh consecutive weekend, by the way, that Avatar, The Way of Water Number one, uh, now the fourth highest grossing film of all time. It was fifth just like a few days ago. So now it's up to fourth, possibly creeping its way to third. Uh, James Cameron already has a couple of his own movies in the top, including Avatar, the the first Avatar movie. And Titanic. And Titanic's in there too, yeah. Yeah. So it's now past Star Wars The Force Awakens. Yep. I, uh... It made $15.7 million, and it's well over the billion mark now, whatever the total is. Any other time there's a big movie like that that's making billions, that's what you hear about. Remember when Top Gun was out, and everybody was going to see Top Gun, and, and you'd hear people talk about it like, oh, it's a great movie, or oh, it was true to the original. We got a lot of great reviews. It created hype. When Titanic was out, let's use the OG, everybody talked about Titanic and how well done it how well done it was. And mm-hmm. there's always hype on big movies. Marvel's, Avenger, uh, what is it? Endgame, right? Avengers the Endgame Avengers is Endgame? at the top. Is it the that one? I lose track of all of those, I, to be honest with you. I don't know which one, but there is an Avengers that's in the top still. That's the only James Cameron movie in the top three, or sorry, non-James Cameron movie in the top three. Anyway, sorry guys, we're fucking it up here. Uh, <laughs> my, my point, point being, being, there's a lot of hype on these movies. Yeah. There's nothing on Avatar. Nobody has said to me, oh my God, Avatar was so good. Oh my God, you got to go see Avatar. How yeah. did it make this much money with nobody going to see it? Oh, well, I mean, people obviously did. Probably just no, nobody in your circles. Maybe that's it. 
I, but I do. I am the type that does like to hear about the raving, though. So that's what I'm missing. Again, is the raving of like, you got to go see it because that makes me want to go when I hear like, oh, you got to see it and you got to see it in theaters. But that's what I'm missing. So I know of people that did go, but they didn't say much about it. So I don't. Was it good? Apparently it was good. Was it good? It, I think there's a huge difference. So I think because we compare so much between the first movie and this movie and the first movie was like a whole different beast because that was the first time that I remember sitting in the theater and putting on those glasses, right? And being like, holy shit, it's happening, right? Like you had a whole, totally new experience with Avatar. It was the first of its kind. And now that's not really the case with Avatar The Way of Water, but maybe you're in it for the story. Now it's been so long since the first one, I'd sit down in the theater and I'd be like, I've got no idea what's happening. Okay, hear me out. What if there actually is no Avatar movie? What if every time you drive by a theater... The doors are locked. It says it's playing Avatar, but there's nobody actually inside. And this whole thing is just a conspiracy to cover up for the fact that James Cameron actually had a bad movie. And they just don't want to admit it. So they just pretend it's out there, claim it's making a fortune, when in reality, we're out billions. Where's the Where's the money? Who's paying for it? James Cameron's paying into it the own movie? Like, you know, shut all the theaters and close the doors, I'll pay for it. Uh, there's probably some, like, <laughs> Serb for directors or something like that. <laughs> For $2 billion? Oh, fuck. We've spent more money on worse <laughs> projects than a new Avatar movie. I wouldn't uh, be surprised at all if this uh, was government funded. Well, we're on to uh, movie news real quick. If you guys are a fan of Murder Mysteries, great movie with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. It was on Netflix a long time ago, and then we learned there was going to be a sequel, and that was great, but that took way too long to get out. Now it's finally going to be out March 31st this morning. They just dropped the trailer for it, which looks really, really good. So if you want to check it out, go for it. Um... A 66-year-old retired woman who lives in Texas, her name is Elaine, says she cannot get men to stop showing up at her house for sex. And it's not a humble brag or anything like that. These are unwelcome visitors. Elaine says the men have been showing up for the past year at all times of the day and night. At least 25 guys have showed up at various times of day. She says they're young, they're old, they're local, they travel the long distance. It's all different. All kinds of men. She's figured out that her address is being used by a scam. Oh, that's terrible. A naughty website gets the men to pay through Venmo for various sexual services. They give them her address. She says they say they're here for an appointment with Nikki. Oh, no. And while it's very irritating, Elaine says she's not afraid of confronting the men and even threatening them. Yeah, tell them off. Hey, you pervert, get the fuck <laughs> off my property. <laughs> she says she appreciates that the local police are quick to respond when she calls, but they won't do anything other than yeah. shoo the guys off. She's hoping the authorities will go after the scam that's sending men and soon. <gasps> do you put a sign up? At a certain point, like just so that they don't even ring the doorbell? Not a whorehouse. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Not what you think. Here's a little bit of Elaine talking about it. How can a man go to a house in a neighborhood thinking they're going to get sex? As many hookers and prostitutes are out there, go get one. Leave me alone. Some sex website that nasty old men go and look for sex. They pay Venmo for the services and then they get my address and they come here. Yes, I have my Smith & Wesson 357 Magnum oh, loaded four-inch barrel next to me. And I answer the door with it. 
She's not. Fu- that's a total fuck around and oh find out, gosh. right? I answer with it. She doesn't even like wait to see how it goes. What's funny is the guys probably haven't connected the dots. They think they're they think they're going there to get laid, and they've prepaid for the services that they're going to be getting. They show up, and she's standing there like, "Get the fuck out of here!" And they're like, "Oh, is this a game? Or you're ripping me off?" No, that's true. That could get dangerous, right? If they think like, "Oh, knock, no, I'm coming in." Uh, well, that's I'm glad. You know what? In this case, I'm glad to know she's armed, just in case, because you never know who's going to come to the door in that scenario, I suppose. But also. As the men in that scenario, is that normal to pay up front before you even go to the place? You know, I don't know. I think it's done in different ways. I, I think generally it's a cash business. I'm surprised they're taking Venmo. and, and Because it's not legit. That's what oh, that's why. Yeah, Venmo. yeah, you're right. You're right. It's not legit. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, at least be in front of the person so you know, okay, this person's here to have sex with me. Here's the money up front. In that case, you absolutely give the money up front all the time, every time. But don't, wouldn't you have to, like, see them? It doesn't, like, these people are dumb. They're not smart. They're not smart. Well, they got conned. I mean, we've all fallen victim to a scam at some point. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Oh, speaking of scams, we had somebody text our radio show today. I just want to mention this because maybe you need to know this. He was doing what so many people do. He lives up north. He had a flight at a Pearson. He was going to the Dominican. So he bought a parking space for two weeks at the Doubletree Hilton by the airport. Mm -hmm. And he did, again, what so many of us do. All right, wife and kids, everybody leave your winter coats and your boots and all that sort of shit here in the car. We're going to jump on the shuttle and go right to the airport. You don't need your coats in the Dominican. Leave them in the car. Somebody stole his fucking CRV. Somebody stole the car. And when he got back and he went to get in his car and saw, oh, shit, it's gone, he went to the hotel. The hotel's like, yep, sorry, nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. You're, we're not responsible yeah. for thefts or anything, which I think is a little weird that they took his money, but they're not responsible for it. That's problem one. Number two, he called the cops and even the cops said, yeah, there's really nothing we can do. This is the second one this week in this particular Ugh. parking lot. And I'm sure they all deal with it. It's not particularly a double tree problem, no. but lots of cars are getting stolen here. So the guy just put out a plea. He's like, hey, listen, I mean... It was all we could afford to go on a vacation. We wanted to do that for our kids. We'd saved up for it. But the way prices are going with inflation and the economy and interest rates and yada, yada, yada. Like, I can't afford now to replace all the boots and coats and all that sort of yeah, stuff. For my expensive. For all my kids. Yeah. So he just wants the, the coats and the boots and his laptop bag back. That's all he wants. He said the thieves can keep the car. He just wants the rest of it back. So if you're the prick who stole his car... Drop it off somewhere with a note. This uh, this was taken from a vehicle, blah, blah, blah. It's a CRV. Here's the license plate, even though we've ditched the plates now. Just try and get the guy back his stuff because he doesn't have the money to replace that. And it's going to take forever to go through insurance. And we're now going through the coldest point of this year so far. I feel bad for him. That's terrible. And uh, is there no no type of security? Like, I understand that we've got tiers of, of, of hotels, you know what I mean? And ones that maybe would be more likely to have cameras. But you know what's sad is the, and I don't even blame the police because I know this happens at a rapid pace. And like like this uh, man told us today, that was the second car in that week. But do they not like care to try to figure out who it is? Like, are they doing any investigation at I don't all? Think so. I like don't think it, they can keep up because it's not the first time that I've heard of something similar to this, even in, in someone's own driveway. And with cameras, and with like here's a cam camera, and they're still like, I can't. There's nothing we can do by now. It's going to be the plates are out, whatever. It just sucks to know that you feel helpless. You feel absolutely helpless. 
Last thing I want to get to in this episode of After 9 is, if you're wondering, we've heard a lot in the the education uh, conversations over the past couple of years about teaching kids more about financial literacy, Mm -hmm. which I think is essential. Very important. I wish I would have been offered more of those type courses when I was in school. Maybe you're wondering, is it working? Well, I would think that as part of the financial literacy program, you would probably learn what financial literacy is. But it's amazing how many kids don't understand what financially responsible is. That's the heading from this survey that found 85% of adults of all ages see themselves as financially responsible when it comes to things like credit scores or their savings accounts and so on and so forth. 85% of adults say that they are financially responsible. However, 50% of those people say they still struggle with unnecessary spending or unbudgeted expenses. And 40% struggle to Mm -hmm. remember to pay their bills on time. Uh. And they aren't even paying their own bills. 35% of those people admit their parents are still contributing to their bills or paying at least one of them. The most popular being cell phone and then rent. Wow. Let Let me just... Put a bow on this here in case you're still struggling to figure out what's going on. You've got the vast majority of people that say that they are financially responsible. But half of those that say that they are financially responsible can't remember to pay their bills on time, struggling with any unnecessary spending or unbudgeted expenses, and 35% of them are relying on their parents to pay their rent or cell phone. Yeah. If my parents paid my rent and my cell phone, I'd be financially responsible too. Everything would get paid because those are the two big expenses. I just, I, I always want to know more in those scenarios. Hey, it's none of my business. You know, if you if you need your parents to help you pay for a couple of bills, we may all be in hard spots at one time in our life or another. But I agree with you where it's like, that's where I have a problem is financially responsible. It depends on what we, again, it depends what you're talking about. And I know every scenario is different, but how are you financially responsible that other people are paying your shit for you? Right. I don't know if that, that does not compute. So get this. Amongst people that are 26 to 41 years old, those would be okay. classic millennials. Right, yep. 24% say their parents cover their rent. One in four. Their entire rent? I'm going to guess their entire rent or at least a good portion of it. Whatever they can't pay, the parents step in and pay it. Okay. One in four millennials, wow. 26 to 41. Wow. Hey, I, uh, I don't have millennials. I have a daughter who is in her final year of university out in BC, and I've got a son who's in his third year of university down in the States. I pay a lot of their bills. I pay their living expenses, their groceries, their cell phones. Now, I always say, that's because they're in school and I want them to focus and a job would be a distraction right now. You just do the bare minimum to keep yourself afloat and I'll cover the rest. When do I cut them off and say, no, you're on your own and that, now. That's, I mean, everyone's going to be different there. I, I, I think the earlier, the better. Like, figure it out because you're going to have to juggle some things in life, especially the way it is now. You know, the sooner you get in there and start working, the better. And then start slowly cutting them off one thing at a time. Okay. For these people that are relying on their parents to cover their rent and so on and so forth, 24% is a very tangible number. At what point as a parent do you say, you know what? I don't want to pay your fucking rent. Move back in. Move into the basement. I'm not paying your rent anymore. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I mean, rent is what? Average $1,700, but most people are paying like $2,500 to $3,000 a month. At what point do you say, I'm not paying that anymore when your old bedroom is still here and available? Move in. That's a real tough choice for someone who's moved out on their own. Then it puts the pressure on that, that child 
who's not a child anymore, by the way, to actually work hard, make some money and get out on their own. I mean, yeah, I think that that would be a good lesson. People have such a hard time doing that. And I don't, I don't get it. Like, it's just not, it's not, I, that doesn't work with me. You got to work, you got to make money and you got to show me how much money you make. I understand it's, it's hard at the beginning, but I don't understand the 30 somethings. Like I'm a millennial too. I don't understand the 30 somethings that are still doing that unless there's a w- weird scenario that goes along with it. I don't get it. That's I, just me. I moved into my mom's house yesterday for one day. One day. Yeah. I wanted to be close to work. Mm-hmm. And she lives close to our office. And, and I wanted to be up and in work early today you, for the simulcast. You were there for a while before you got your house with your girlfriend because you had to wait for the house, obviously. And then once the house was ready and, and everything, moving date was there, you were in. Do you feel like that would have been a good fit for you, though, if let's say you didn't have a scenario where you were moving in and in a serious relationship, obviously, with your girlfriend? I want to clarify, girlfriend never moved into mom's house. She had her own place. It was my place yeah. that the closing dates didn't line up. So I did live with mom. I loved it. Honestly, she rolled out the fucking red carpet. I went there yesterday. She made a goddamn turkey, a turkey dinner, because she thought I might like turkey while I'm watching football. And she remembered that I like to eat a muffin in the morning. I mentioned that casually once, like a year ago. She made me a dozen banana walnut muffins. It was great, Kat. You don't stay there. You're probably a jerk because it sounds like she's just ready for you to just move back in. I was driving to work asking myself why I'm not going back there after work. It's crazy <laughs> to not do it. But I, I, I hope that everybody always has a home in their parents' house. And uh, I, I know my kids do. And it's nice to know that my mom feels the same way. We're going to go, everybody. But before we leave, we are about to replay today's Missed Connections. That's going to be in the Monday pod going forward. Have a great one. Missed Connections. Missed Connections on the Scott and Cat Show. All right. We are, hang on. I haven't played this piano in so long. I don't even know if it's tuned. Wait. And. Oh, sounds great. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. You've been definitely been practicing. We're going to have to move it, but for now, it's okay in the studio. Uh, welcome to Missed Connections. This is a segment that we haven't done in a very long time because when we were locked down, not a lot of people were going out meeting new people. But Misconnections is where we tell you the stories of people looking for other people that they've had encounters with in the past. They can't find them. So they told the story online. We scour the web to find these and we're happy to bring back Missed Connections. The first one is called I Am the Banana Girl. It's a woman for a man. This is super embarrassing, but I'm looking for the man that I accidentally screamed at downtown on Wednesday. I was feeling good. Good hair day. New jacket I bought online arrived on time. Little bit of cleavage. And I got my kids out the door to school on time. (laughs) All right, you've won that day. Everything was going well. As I walked to my job, I felt someone staring at me. The guy was close to me too, right behind me. So I turned around and said, back off. Whoa. I kept walking, head held high. Even though when I yelled at him, I realized, hey, he's kind of cute. I heard him say, banana. (laughs) What a safe word of some sort. What a weird way to pick up. So when I got to work, my coworker told me I had squashed banana on the butt of my new pants. (gasps) I was mortified. Oh my God. My kids were eating banana. It was a rushed morning. It all added up so fast. Then I thought of the guy. The guy was just trying to help me out. I thought he was a creeper. (laughs) I yelled it loudly so people could hear and see he was bugging me. Hey, back off! 
Mortified doesn't cover it. Where are you? I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, banana butt, maybe you just calm down a little bit and surveil the situation before you start yelling out back-offs and stuff like that. You know? Hey, banana. He could have probably said, you have banana on you. That might have helped. This seems like a communications error all round. I mean, there's room for improvement everywhere here. From her standpoint, though, I mean, she was up and she was on it. Kids were ready to go. She looked good. She, what did she say? She had a little bit of cleavage going. Like, she was just... Feeling re- good. Feeling good. And then you find out you've got mashed banana all over your butt. And then you run into a good-looking guy. Imagine it was eggplant. <laughs> she would have punched him in the face. <laughs> eggplant. <laughs> Peaches. See, I don't know. This one is called, We Were Both Hired for the Party. <laughs> I like where this is going already. <laughs> what kind of party was oh, it? Oh, no, hang on. It's a kid's party. Uh, this is a woman for a man. Me. Tall, blonde, clown. In a white blouse and a miniskirt. With a pink heart painted on each cheek. You. Handsome mime. In a striped t-shirt with dark curlyish hair. And suspenders. You passed by me and my friends toward the end of the night when I was officially off duty. It was dark, and I did enjoy the adult table where they had punch. Maybe I had too much. I tried to hit on you. I asked, Where are you from? But you were super firm on staying in character. <laughs> It's so hard to pick up mimes these days. You gave me nothing. <laughs> you started creeping across a pretend wall and jumping, ar- <laughs> jumping around what I assume was an invisible box. Anyway, the eye contact we had spoke many words, even though you did not. <laughs> hey. He did the whole mime, get out of here routine. Oh, I gotta climb the walls. Oh, I'm in the box. Maybe that's what you should do if you want to be completely ignored by people. Like, you know what? Don't talk to me. I'm a mime now. This is what I do. Does nobody else think it's weird that the clown that got hired for a kid's party went over to the adult table and started boozing on the punch and got drunk at work? How did that conversation go with, like, the parent of whoever's kid it was? Like, hey, cool. So I'm done, technically. Can I get smashed? Uh, Can I invite some friends? What is this? I just want to get my confidence on before I go and flirt with that sexy mime over there. That mime is mine. Anyone else want to hire me for the next party? Anyone? No? No takers? Was this a party in the the 60s? They had a clown and a mime? What kid gets pumped up for a mime coming to their party? Forget Captain America. I've got a mime. Oh, man, that's fantastic. (laughs) You can hear Missed Connections, same time, right here, every Monday. Following the holiday travel meltdown, Southwest Airlines said that they're now testing a new software fix. Perfect, just in time for the late January travel rush. Google announced that it is cutting 12,000 jobs, while Yahoo announced that it is now run by a family of raccoons. I heard about a company that's offering to pay a couple $1,000 to build IKEA furniture together. 
don't know if you've ever tried to put Ikea furniture together with your spouse, but it ain't worth $1,000. Okay. A 23-year-old chihuahua in Ohio named Spike has been officially named the world's oldest living dog. The secret to Spike's long life? A lot of chihuahuas look the same. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.